Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Welcome, everybody. Good to see you on this snowy morning. Thank you, Ryan. This is, this is my friend Ryan. We have been snowboarding together since we were teenagers. And so this morning, he let me know that it's on. It's on. And uh, I taught him everything he knows. Actually, I learned to snowboard on his deck. Um, we, we built a, he built a pile of snow. I was skiing at the time, and he said, you can no longer be a skier and be my friend. And, uh, yeah. Hey, it's, uh, it's good, to, good to see you in the house of the Lord. This is, uh, this is exciting. So we've made some shifts, some changes around here. Um, back behind us, there's, uh, there's space for the, the restrooms that we spoke about that are going to be going in. And uh, so there's been a lot of hard work that's gone on over the last couple of days. Um, how many people were involved in the scraping party? Anybody come out and you, you scraped? Very good. I, I, but I, I just sense in my spirit that there, there's like a spirit of blisters in the house. Does anybody, <laughs> they have blisters on their fingers. Um, but we, we had a good time and got it all done. <clears throat> it's, it is, uh, the Christmas season is in full swing. Anybody got their house decorated? Let's go. Good, good job, you overachievers. Uh, my house is still decorated, and that's because I never took it down last year. In July, I told my wife, I said, I think it's about time to take the lights down. And she's like, nah, it's good. We're almost to Christmas. <laughs> let's, just, let's just leave it. Uh, you guys are amazing. How many people are done shopping? Like, you've already, you're done shopping already. Oh, my goodness. You guys are making me look terrible. Uh, how many people, you've begun shopping? Come on, very good. How many people, you're almost done shopping, but you've already gone over budget? <laughs> you're, doing great on, you're doing great on the gifts, but you're not doing great on the budget. Amen. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Christmas time, and it's a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting to me how uh, Christmas just has its own unique set of joys and its own unique set of pressures that it brings into our lives. Um, you know, like one of the pressures would be just negotiating with family where you're going to eat in the morning and where you're going to spend the day and like who, who's, where you're going to be all, all throughout, the, um, throughout the day. And um, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a Christmas pressure. Um, you know, I forgot to mention one thing. I, I, I mentioned it first service, but... My, my favorite moment of the, the redesign of the auditorium and the scraping was that there was a, a group of, of men and team members. Actually, it was, all, it was all, I noticed it was all guys that had been through the return, actually, that all showed up, and they're out here setting this up, and they were, they were discussing how to set the chairs up in a pattern. There's this pattern. 
And this, this man, he says, oh my goodness, I didn't realize we have different colored chairs. I mean, he's been in this church for a long time. And he's like, I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize we had different colored chairs. And I was like, that's a man right there. I asked his wife, and I'm like, I'm like, what's it like being married to that kind of man? Like, he didn't even, he didn't even notice the chairs were different. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't tell you his name, Ashton Black, but it was, it was a great moment when he realized that we have five different colored chairs uh, for the first time in his life. Uh, and then for some reason, they put him in charge of the pattern. And I'm like, this is the wrong guy to be over the pattern. That, that's, that's like a man right there. It's, it's not about nuance. He just did not see the colors. But Christmas can have uh, other, other stresses, right? Beyond just like silly trying to figure out whose house you're going to eat at on Christmas Eve and where you're going to be Christmas night. For some people, it, there, there, are, there are genuine stresses that Christmas creates. For some people, it's just the pain of this is the first holiday season that you've been alone. For some, it may be the loss of a loved one. This is the first time you're going to go through the holiday season without that loved one. And it, and it creates just a lot of pressure. They, they, studies show that this season, although it's the season we talk about being the most joyful season, um, it's one of the highest seasons for uh, for mental health struggles because of all the, the pressures. It's just got great potential for joy and great potential for discouragement right now. And um, I think Christmas, this whole season, just brings to the surface all of the, the issues that we deal with throughout the year, doesn't it? It, it just brings them all to a boil because you finally remember, like, oh, yeah, I still got to buy her a gift, you know. Um, it, it, just, it just makes them all... It makes them all bubble up. I would say it like this. This is the season that can often trouble our hearts. It can trouble our hearts. And, and, and what I mean by that, I don't mean like it troubles this muscle that's inside your chest that just seems to always beat, on, you know, hopefully on rhythm. I'm talking about more than a piece of meat inside of your chest. I'm, even if you're not a believer, maybe like wherever you are in your walk with the God today, maybe, maybe you are just still filling things out, or maybe you've been living, God, living for God for, for two years. When, when I say a troubled heart, what I'm talking about is that, that part of you that you recognize makes you uniquely different than everyone else. I'm talking about that part of you that you, you know is, is not... This, like that, that part of you that knows there's more to life than this physical body. There, there's more to life. Like you, you exist like uniquely alone. That's the part of you that the Bible would describe it as your soul or it would describe it as your heart. This part of you that, that is unique, that can connect to God and also feels the, the pain and, and the experience around you. And that's the part of you that can be troubled in this season. And in this season, often our hearts just get messed up. Jesus is um, he's unique in many ways. One of them is our entire calendar hinges on his life. Doesn't matter what faith you come from. Doesn't matter what part of the world you come from. Your calendar hinges on the life of Jesus. Even if modern academics have changed it to before common era and common era, just want to remind you that common era means Jesus. 
And, and he teaches us how to live life with a heart that is, is not troubled, with a heart that isn't discouraged. And here's what he says in John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And so I would ask you today, where do you have a troubled heart? What are the reasons that you have a troubled heart? Do you have a troubled heart because of your school situation? Do you have a troubled heart because of what's going on at work? Do you have a troubled heart because of your health issues? Or do you have a troubled heart because of the relationships that you are a part of? Today, I just want to tell you that Jesus says, do not have a troubled heart, trust in God. And that is the reading of the word of God. Amen. You're all dismissed. It's so easy to say it's pretty hard to live it, isn't it? Like, like if that's, sometimes we read a passage like that and we're like, oh, that's really cute, Jesus. That's fancy. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to have just a, an untroubled heart. You don't know how my ex-husband has been behaving. You know, like, like I don't know how I'm going to have a, a troubled heart when I've got bills to pay and I don't have the money to pay it. It seems a little unrealistic of Jesus. In the middle of our health issues and our financial issues and our relational issues to just expect us to just not be troubled. But can I tell you that he is not saying that you will not have trouble. He's not saying stop having problems. Do better. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your suffering, in the middle of your struggles, in the middle of having more bills than you got money, understand that you can take heart and trust in God and trust in Jesus and you can have an untroubled heart. An untroubled heart in the middle of that work pressure. An untroubled heart, not in the absence of health issues, but an untroubled heart in the middle of health issues. An untroubled heart in the middle of your best friend struggling. Jesus says, trust in God. Trust also in me. And and this is the part that I think is so interesting in what he says. He says, trust in God and trust in me. And I would say for the most part, everyone in here, no matter where you are on your faith journey, whether you've been living for God for a long time or maybe you are not, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you're open to some sort of deity, or, or maybe you are, uh, you are going through one of the step programs, and they told you, you need to find a higher power, and so that's why you're here today. And so you're open to the idea of a, a higher power. You're open to the idea of, of God. Can I tell you, like, that's good, that's important, but that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying, rely on a higher power so you can overcome your addiction. He's not saying rely on a higher power so you can overcome the stresses of your soul. He's not saying just just put your hope in something beyond yourself. When when we hear those words, those are are great, but but those are really, uh, they, they don't have the same sort of power as what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying you need to trust in God and... You need to trust in Jesus. 
And trusting in Jesus is very different than believing in a higher power. Trusting in Jesus is much different than just believing there must be something more out there. Trusting in Jesus means I am going to choose to have a relationship with the God of the universe who reveals himself to us today. Like I'm going to trust in Jesus here and now. And so this is where it meets the road, is that the, the God, the, the higher power, the being that we, we put our hope in, he, he looks at us and he says, these, these people are, they're trying to get close to me. They're, they're trying to find me. They're, they're searching through the dark for me, but they will never find me on their own. The truth is no matter how good you are, no matter how religious you are, how good you are at keeping the rules, no matter how, how much effort you put in, no, no matter how many times you do the right things and avoid the bad things, you will never achieve relationship with God that way. So the God of the universe says, I choose myself to reveal, to show myself, my very word, my very essence. I will come down among them as a child, live a human life, and I will pay the price on a, on a cross. The, not some sort of price of like, you've been bad, but the price of what it costs to bridge the gap between God and men. I'm going to bridge that gap so that people who have a hope for a higher being can trust in Jesus, and they can have a relationship with God. Like that's, that's a powerful thing. So he says, don't, don't just trust in God, but also trust in Jesus. He's talking about a relationship with God. And the thing about a relationship is that when we have a relationship, we begin to trust and trust is also a product of relationship. So when we, when we have trust, we build a relationship. And when we have a relationship, we build trust. It's, somebody might recognize this. This is circular, Pastor. This is a circular argument. Yes. It's the same thing that goes in your own life. When you have a relationship with somebody that is healthy, it builds trust. And that trust also builds relationship. It's, it's the difference from just knowing somebody and trusting them and really knowing them. And there's a lot of people that I know. You ever do that? You're talking to somebody and they'll say someone else's name. And you're like, oh, I know them. Like, I know him. But like you really, like you met them once in an Applebee's while you were waiting in line. And you're like, yeah, I know them, yeah, I know them. You're like, no, you don't know them. Like, there are very few people you actually know, right? And, and for me, like, one of the people that I do know really well is my wife. And, and the reason I know her so well is because over time, we've developed a level of trust that produces a level of relationship that I know her. So I know how she's thinking. I know what she's, what she's when, when, like I know how she views the world. I know how she views situations without me even being in it. I know how she feels in the moment because we've had plenty of debriefs. Uh, 
I, I can tell just by the cadence of her voice that she's in the room. I can tell by the tone of her voice when it's time for me to run and hide. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be in the mid-conversation. I hear her. I'm like, hide me. Like, somebody, somebody make like a tree. Like, it's, because I know her. And Jesus says the, the answer to a troubled heart, it's not just trusting in a higher power. It's knowing me. So around here, there's this thing we push. We, we, we come back to this often. If you spend any time around here, you're going to hear about this. What we want you to do is to find a time and place with God. Like, what I want you to do is get your calendar out and pick a, a, a time on your calendar, just like you would do if you were asking me or someone else to go get coffee with you. You would put it on a calendar and I would challenge you to find a time in your day to say, this time in my day is always going to be the time with God. And I'm going to find a place. I'm going to find a place to do it. For some people, it's a couch. For some people, it's in their car before they get out at work. Like, it could be any location, but make sure you have a time and a place, like a, an address plugged into your calendar and spend time with God. Oh, that's fancy, Pastor, but, you know, I'm very spiritual. I pray continually. That's cute. Because I've got relationship with people continually, but it doesn't mean it's a deep relationship. The people I have good relationships with are people that I have put them in my calendar, and I have spent time directly with them. And I would say the same thing goes for God. Make a time and a place. And what that will do is that will create a relationship, and a relationship creates trust, and the trust creates relationship. And so when Jesus says, trust in God, also trust in me, it actually means something to you now. Here's what it says in John 16, 33. It says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace with me, or peace in me. Anybody want some peace from God? Anybody want a promise from the Lord? I'm about to give you a promise. From, anybody want a promise out of the Bible? This is a promise out of the Bible. It says this, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrow. Woo! <laughs> but take heart because I have overcome the world. This is a promise from Jesus. It's not, in this world I will help you avoid all your sorrows. It's not, in this world you will always have enough money you will always have enough time, and you will always have friends. It's in this world you will have trials, and you will have sorrows. Like, that's a Bible verse someone needs to put on their, on their fridge right there. You know, like, somebody needs to go to a tattoo shop tomorrow, be like, John 3.16 and John 16.33. Like, I'm going to have trouble. But Jesus says, in the middle of all those troubles, you, you can take heart because... I've overcome the world. He's saying you can live with an untroubled heart because he's overcome the world. And this is very different than our world speaks of. So our world, we talk about self-help. And, I, and I, I'm for self-help. Like I, I tend to be an introvert. I would say I'm like, a, like a, an adaptive introvert or an ambivert, like somebody that kind of like, I, I love being around people, but I also, I need a cave to hide in. Anybody? Okay, like, and so, so I, like, I've, I've, read, I've read 
uh, like Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people, like how to talk to people. That was a thing for me. Anybody, you know? Like I, I think self-help's a great thing. Like you, it's a lot better than reading a, like a self-destruction book. You know, like does anybody prefer that? You go to Barnes and Noble and you find the self-destruction books. And you're like, how can I ruin my life? I think honestly, I think you owe it to yourself and to the people around you to better yourself. I don't think that's a bad thing. That's a very good thing to grow and to become a better, better version of you and to, to grow in your personality and grow in your ability to manage money and grow in your ability to manage relationships. That's healthy, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Self-help tells you to take heart because with a positive mental attitude, you will overcome the world. And can I just tell you that, that my positive mental attitude has never overcome anything. Self-help will tell you that take heart because you can do it. And, like, that's great, but there's a lot of times when I feel like I can't do it. Self-help will tell you to take heart because you're awesome, you're worth it, and you are amazing. I'm just going to be awesome. I'm going to be, be honest here for a second and say I'm not nearly as awesome and amazing as those books say I am. My wife said, yes, he is. I'm like, see you guys later. Self-help tells you to be of good cheer. You're not there yet. You just need to manifest it into the world. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus does not say, become a better version of yourself and you'll get there. Jesus says, I have overcome the world and you are with me and I am with you. And because I overcame the world, you overcome the world. Not you became a better version of you. You stopped doing the bad things and you started doing the right things. But you are with Jesus. And when you're with Jesus, you can overcome the world. Like it's this trust cycle. Like trust is more than, it's more than just an emotional feeling. Like when I trust in Jesus, it's, it's more than just feeling my faith. And I believe we should feel our faith. But it's more than that. Trust is a decision. So around here, we, we have this rhythm that, that I've had in my life since 2001. And that's every January, I, I sort of detach from a lot of things. I, I unplug from a lot of things. And I do 21 days of prayer and fasting every January. And we as a church, that's one of our rhythms we do here. We can often get off on this idea that we need a balanced life. The Bible does not teach a balanced life. The Bible teaches a life of rhythm. What a life of rhythm looks like is when it's time to work, you work. And when it's time to rest, you rest. And when it's time to be present, you be present. And those things will ebb and they will flow. It's not that you try to manage this perfectly balanced life because I'm just telling you, from experience, that's stressful. Trying to be balanced is stressful, but when I understand I can have rhythm, I can, I can be fully engaged for a season, and I can also withdraw for a time, I, I can make it. It's biblical. And so, as a church, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting where we, we push aside things that we would normally 
uh, we would normally think we need, and we create space for God to speak into our lives. This year coming up, it will be from January 9th to the 29th. And so what I would encourage you to do is, starting today, eat as much as you can. <laughs> Just eat all the trash, like take it all. Because I'm going to be asking you to pray and ask God what it is in your life that you should withdraw from. And for some people around here, that's going to be food. For some people, it's video games. For some people, it's scotch. Those are board members. I'm saying you've got to withdraw it creates a level of trust when you say, God, I'm going to set a, push away from the things I think I need, and I'm going to trust that you will be everything I need. Because the truth is this, is that trusting in Jesus is a cure for a troubled heart. Trusting in Jesus is a cure for a troubled heart. And we do that. We'll trust Jesus. We'll say, Jesus, I, I trust you. I, I trust you with this, this issue with my mom. Like, I, I trust you. Just make sure it's done by the end of the workday. <laughs> like, Jesus, I'm going to send you a reminder email. <laughs> just, just to make sure you remember. Like, like, Jesus, I'm, I'm just going to loop you in on the calendar invite, okay, that it needs to be done. Can I just say that that's not how he works? Trusting in God does not look like managing God. It looks like trusting him, even when his timeline looks different than what you would expect. The next verse, it says this in, in John 14. It says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Hold on, Jesus. You're talking about Trusting in God and trusting in you gives me an untroubled heart. And the next verse is about heaven. <laughs> like, come on, Jesus, that's a little fanciful. It's a little, like, weird. Like, I don't even know if that's real. Well, I'll tell you this. Regardless of what you believe about heaven, Jesus insisted that heaven exists. I, I would say this. If you're in the room and you're a skeptic of the idea of afterlife or anything like that. I, I would just encourage you, like outside the Bible, go listen to a, a friend of mine's podcast. It's called the Aggressive Life Podcast. Go listen to the episodes he has about near-death experience. They're in the last month. Great episodes for someone that's curious about the idea of heaven. But according to Jesus, Jesus says, it's real. Like Jesus insists it's real. And and that means you only have three options. C.S. Lewis tells us we have three options on this with Jesus. One is we believe that Jesus is like he, he's just, he just was wrong. Like, like he was a liar. He was, he was just trying to deceive us, trying to trick us. That's, that's one option is that he's lying and there's no such thing as heaven. The other option is Jesus missed his meds. He's not lying. He just didn't see things clearly. Or number three Jesus is telling the truth. Those are the only three options. Either he's a liar, he's just mistaken, or he's telling the truth. And it's your choice to believe that, that this guy either spent his whole life lying to us, he spent his whole life making up fanciful stories, or he spent his whole life telling the truth. That's your job. 
And so, when our hearts become troubled, we, we replace that trouble with a deep confidence in a belief that when Jesus says, I've built a place for you called heaven, that it's true. Like a deep belief, a confidence, a conviction that this world, this stage, the ground, the job I have, the car I drive, that all of those things are temporary and at the end of the, of the day, I serve a God who is going to prepare a place for me. He's preparing a place for me. And that's pretty incredible because it means that, that my now is not as scary because my always is settled. I remember when uh, Manny Pacquiao was going to fight Floyd Mayweather. Any other boxing fans? Got a couple? Um, and this is back in the days of like uh, DVR. Remember D DVR, right? <laughs> so it was like, I think it was a Saturday night, and so I, I was DVRing it so I could uh, watch the fight uh, uh, Sunday after church. And um, I got to church. I was so excited to be able to go back and watch uh, Pacquiao just destroy Mayweather. And, and when, I, when I got to church, one of the guys told me that, that Pacquiao had just, just fallen out in the spirit during, like, during, the, during the fight. He, that he just was laid prostrate before, prostrate before the Lord. He was, just, he was, just, he was out cold. And, and so, it, so I went back to watch the fight. And it wasn't nearly as exciting as I was hoping because the whole time I was waiting for Manny Pacquiao to be laying face down at the end of the fight. Every great interaction was not so great because I knew what was coming. Like it, it didn't matter how hard he tried, how much effort he put in, how many blows he got in. I knew he was going to be face down at the end of the fight. And can I just tell you that the same thing goes in this life. Those things that create anxiety and stress and an untroubled heart become a lot less exciting when you know how the end happens. When you know that at the end, I am going to a place whose builder and maker is God. When I, when I know that at the end of all of this, I be, I'm going to be with Jesus, it makes all of the little moments of pressure a whole lot less exciting because I know where I'm going because my always is settled. I can go through any now. The next verse, it says this, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. This is Jesus giving the answer to, a, to a, an untroubled heart. It is believe in God, believe in Jesus, and know this, that he's taking you to him. He's taking you away. Like, you're going to be his bride. Like, you're the bride of Christ. You're the chosen people of God. Like, you are not here in this moment forever. You're not experiencing the financial stresses forever, but he's coming for you. You ever wait for somebody that just takes too long? <laughs> like you're just waiting for somebody all the time. Like that's just sort of the story of your life. Like anybody else, that was your morning? Just me? Like <laughs> because I got some kids that just did not want to get out of bed this morning. That, that It may seem like that. The Bible says it may seem like he's slack, but he's not slack concerning his promises. He's not slow concerning what he promises. He's, he's coming through. He's coming through. Let me say it like this. Anxiety is a product of a constricted view of time. 
It's the pressure of now, and it's losing perspective. Anxiety is when our perspective zooms in on this moment in this problem right now, and it is the biggest problem in the world, and it's so crazy, and it's going to overwhelm me. But what's happened is our view of time and our view of perspective has become constricted. And what Jesus is offering us is so unique and so powerful because it is freedom from anxiety and freedom from fear because it, freedom doesn't come by fixing the problem. It doesn't come by fixing what's giving me anxiety now. Freedom from anxiety, freedom from a troubled heart comes from bringing my perspective out. And Jesus says, I'm here to give you a broader perspective, knowing that what's happening right now in your life is not the last word. So our now is not as scary because our always is settled. This this same writer, John, who, who wrote this book of John, he also wrote another book called Revelation. It's the last book in your Bible. It's the scary one. And he says this in the 21st chapter. He says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. I mean, that's been God's agenda this whole story. From Genesis to Revelation, it's for God to be among his people. He says, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Listen to this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain or cancer or divorce or bankruptcy or loss of a job or disappointment. It says this, and all these things are gone forever. I'm saying if you've got a troubled heart today, the answer is not to fix what's inside that constricted view. The answer, Jesus says, is to trust in God and to trust in me. And when you do this, know that there's a bigger picture to this thing. And that bigger picture looks like being at home with him forever. There's going to be no more crying, no more tears, and no more pain. Church, this is... This is the greatest hack of the human condition. To be able at any moment, at any point in time, to untether my heart from now and throw that rope around my future with God and broaden my... I can be in the middle of the boulevard at 5 o'clock on a Friday people that don't know how to drive. I can be at a four-way stop on my way to Middleton with somebody doing this. Not a thing. And I can untether my heart. And I can say, my perspective is so much bigger, I choose not to be focused on this moment. No more tears, no more pain, no more anxiety. No more disappointments, no more health issues, forever with him. 
It's a powerful thing. And the only people in the world that can do it are believers in Jesus Christ. This is why he says you must believe in God and Jesus. Because if you don't believe in Jesus, you cannot have this hope. That's not me wagging my finger. I'm just saying this hope is directly attached to faith in Jesus alone. The next verse, it goes on and it says, and, and you know the way where I am going. And this is where his disciples are like, what do you mean we know where you're going? <laughs> what do you, we don't even know what you're talking in code right now. What are you saying? And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like this is the moment where Jesus is sharing how to have an untroubled heart. Would the band come? Listen, your now is not as scary because your always is settled. You're not trying to earn it. You're not rolling up your sleeves to be a better person. You trust in Jesus and it settles it. It's not up for debate every five minutes. Trust in Jesus, and he settles it. And that means I can go through any financial difficulty. I can go through any relational pressure. It means you can walk through those scary hallways. It means you can, you can walk through, the, through the, the terrible moments of divorce. It means you can walk through those moments when you're looking at your bills and you're wondering, how in the world am I going to pay those bills? You can walk through those moments with confidence. Not because you thunk yourself and became rich. But because your hope and your trust is in Jesus Christ. And he has a plan for you. His plan is bigger than now. I mean, this is ultimately what it means to be a Christian. It means placing our faith in God, but more specifically, placing our faith in Jesus. Not joining a church, not reciting a dogma. It means placing our faith in Him. your now is not as scary when you're always is settled. Would you stand with me all across the room? You may be someone that's lived for God for a long time, but if you were honest in this moment right now, you would say, I've lived for him for a long time, but I just, I recognize that my trust is off. I, I love the Lord, but my trust is, is just not there. And so I find myself just super consumed with what's going on in here. And I hear you, preacher. He's saying, trust me. If that's you, I just want to pray. And, and I, I want you to, Maybe put your hands in a receiving posture. And I just want you to, to resettle your heart. Say, God, I, I don't know what I'm thinking. I trust you. 
Lord Jesus, right now, we collectively, we say, we trust you. Returning from the panic and the worry and the chasing our tails. We say, we know that you are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. And that your perspective on life is so much bigger than ours. So right now, God, in the middle of our health issues, in the middle of our financial stresses, in the middle of our relationships that we're trying to juggle, we say, Jesus, would you be Lord of it all? Would you lift our eyes from the moments of pain to a God of glory that has a plan and a purpose? With every head still bowed and, and every eye still closed, I would ask this question. Are you one of those that you, you believe in God, but honestly you've not placed your faith in Jesus? You, you, you believe in God, but you are, at this moment, you're ready. I feel Jesus calling me, and I'm going to place my faith in him. If that's you and you're ready to trust him as Lord in your life, would you, would you put your hand up so I can see you across the room? I see those hands. I see those fast, bold hands. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent and we're going to believe. We're not going to join a church. We're going to repent and we're going to believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that we think, do, or say that we know don't please God. And we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when we do this, the Bible says the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. It makes us right with God. If you raised your hand, or maybe you want to opt in on this, I just want you to pray a prayer like, like I'm going to lead. Pray something like this. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. I'm turning from them now. I believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross. He was buried for three days he rose again with all power in his hands. And right now I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on church, there's some people that made the best decision of their life best decision. What a way to end 2020. Great decision. I'm so proud of you today. God bless you. Let's respond to the word with worship. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.